Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Bible reading is from the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 42 and verses 1 to 9. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. He who stretched out the heavens, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. So I'm going to be focusing on uh, one verse from that passage as we go through. Uh, verse 3, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. But it's always important to uh, put verses in their context. Um, so we need to understand a little bit about what this passage is and how it fits in with some others. And this is the first of four uh, what are called servant songs that occur throughout the book of Isaiah. The first one is what we've just read, and it deals with the call of the servant which is to bring justice to the nations. And the Hebrew word for justice means primarily the restoration of right relationships. That describes so much about the gospel, doesn't it? The restoration of right relationships. The second servant song is in chapter 49 and verses 1 to 6. It talks about the servant's mission, where uh, the prophet says, I will also give you a light for a light to the nations, that you may be my salvation to the end of the earth. And again there the word salvation uh, means restoring wholeness, not just forgiveness of sins, although that's included, restoring wholeness. Then the third servant song is in chapter 50 and verses 4 to 9, talks about the servant's work and faith. It says, God has given the servant an ear to hear God and an ear to hear the people. And again, that could be a good description of what Jesus was doing. Then the final servant song is one that many of you will be familiar with from Isaiah 52, 13 to 53, 12, uh, which talks about the servant's suffering on behalf of his people. You'll, uh, if you ever listen to the Messiah, you'll know that great chorus, or we like sheep had gone astray, turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord laid on him the iniquities of us all. So that's the song 
of the suffering servant, the servant who suffers with his people and is identified with them. Some of the text from that passage you'll be familiar with. He was pierced for our transgressions. By his wounds we are healed. He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted he didn't open his mouth. So these are the servant songs. And uh, although Isaiah was writing some 800 years before Christ, it's easy for us to see that the servant who's described here is Jesus himself, the promised Messiah. But uh, as we always find with anything to do with God's kingdom, it isn't the sort of thing we might expect from a human perspective. It's always different. It's always turning the world and our own perceptions and assessments of things upside down. It's not a kingdom that's characterized by power and might, but one that is characterized by uh, quietness, meekness, seemingly perhaps weakness, but which is powerfully and quietly effective in the lives of people. So Jesus, of course, perfectly demonstrated the things that this passage is talking about, bringing justice, right relationship, releasing captives, freeing people from oppression, giving sight to the blind, healing the brokenhearted, forgiving sins. And you may have noticed the similarity between verse 7 in the passage we are reading, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Strikingly similar to verses that we may be more familiar with from Isaiah 62, uh, sorry, 61, where we're probably familiar with the words, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And of course, we're familiar with that because they're the famous words that Jesus spoke when he returned from his period of being tempted in the wilderness and went to his own synagogue in Nazareth and read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, quoting those words we just read, and then said, uh, as he gave the scroll back to the attendant, he sat down, it says, <clears throat> and the eyes of all were fastened upon him, and he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So confirming himself as the Messiah, uh, the suffering servant, the one to whom all these servant songs are referring. So it's good for us to remember that God's kingdom is about service. It's about being servants, modeling ourselves, our lives on the servant king. It isn't about power, retribution, and conquest. Um, and unfortunately, <clears throat> there have been times in church history when that's gone wrong, and uh, the church has become identified with state power, imperial power, and uh, all kinds of things which actually give a very unhelpful image of what God's kingdom is about. Here in Western Europe, we have a long Christian history, and we can give thanks for that. There have been many positive things about it. But uh, perhaps one unfortunate thing is that when the Emperor Constantine, back in the 4th century, made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire, it meant every generation after that inherited the idea that the church was associated with power and somehow allied with the state. 
um, to have power over people's lives, which uh, is not a helpful way of understanding God's kingdom. It wasn't until the Reformation and the things that followed that that some of that was corrected. And as Baptists, we can stand proudly in a tradition of being radically alternative and wanting to bring God's kingdom from the edge, from the vulnerable place, from the place that isn't identified with power and authority. So that brings us back to verse 3. So a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering or dimly quenching wick, dimly burning wick, he won't quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. So what would this have been about to the people who heard it? Well, um, I think that the bruised wick and the dimly burning wick would have been metaphors for people who were vulnerable. And they would have been powerful metaphors to those familiar with them. Part of their daily life would have been things made of reeds and wicks um, of candles and lamps to light their houses and so on. So a bruised reed is one that can easily be snapped, be broken. And a dimly burning wick is easy to snuff out. We know that from our own experience with candles, perhaps, that we may use as decorations or whatever. So while we are less familiar with bruised reeds and dimly burning wicks today, we are familiar with the reality to which they point. Vulnerable people, hungry people, homeless people, victims of persecution or ethnic cleansing, and those who are helpless in the face of powerful individuals, corporations, or political entities. And it is for people like that that the church should be a refuge because it's through people like that actually that God's kingdom comes. Not in the place of power and authority, but in the place of weakness, of edginess, of being perhaps excluded by society. So the prophet is careful to say that unlike traditional holders of power, the servant won't be concerned to break the bruised reeds or quench the dimly burning wick. Rather, he will demonstrate great sensitivity to the less fortunate members of society. So, of course, again, we can see that Jesus modeled this kind of sensitivity as he went about his ministry, touching the untouchable, healing the sick, bringing hope to the hopeless. And the church, in its better moments throughout history, has always emulated his example. But I think we can uh, see another meaning in the bruised wick and the dimly burning, sorry, the bruised reed and the dimly burning wick. And that's the particular application, perhaps, for us this morning. And that is that these things can also refer to our faith. Sometimes our faith becomes quenched by things that happen to us. Sometimes we feel like bruised reeds because of circumstances in our lives. Perhaps we've been let down by friends. Perhaps we've lost someone very close to us. Perhaps we are chronically disappointed at how our children have turned out. Perhaps we've been afflicted by illness that has tested and stretched our faith. Or perhaps we've just become tired and weary in the work of God's kingdom. 
So we may, may feel that our faith is weak and vulnerable. But it's important to understand when we feel like that, that God does not love us any less. There's nothing we can do to make God love us any more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us any less. His love is constant and does not depend on how we feel. But more than that, God can still use us when we feel like that, when we feel we're a bruised reed or a dimly burning wick. Indeed, often it is when we're like that that God's kingdom is able to be manifest through us and in us more powerfully than at other times. That's a lesson that Paul learnt as he went through his ministry, where he famously says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, when I am weak, then I am strong. And he refers to that experience in an earlier writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 1 and verses 26 to 31. He says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So you see what he's saying there. Ties in very much with the idea of bruised reeds and dimly burning wicks. God's kingdom comes through bruised reeds. God's kingdom comes through dimly burning wicks. And the prophets says, putting the minds, the words into the mouth of the Lord, as it were, these things he won't break, these things he won't quench. For it's by following the pattern of the suffering servant, the servant who is afflicted, the servant who demonstrated his power and love in weakness. It's by following that pattern that God's kingdom comes, not raising its voice in the streets, as the passage says, but quietly in the place of weakness and the place of vulnerability. So if you feel like a bruised reed or a dimly burning wick this morning, be encouraged. You're still part of God's kingdom. You're still demonstrating God's kingdom. God's love is as constant as ever, and God can use you perhaps more when you feel like that than when you feel powerful and strong. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news of your kingdom. Thank you for the alternative nature of your kingdom that is so different to how we humanly think of kingdoms of power and authority and might. Thank you that you come through our weakness, that you come quietly, that you come in ways that humanly we would not expect, but that your love is constant and that you do not burn, do not quench the dimly burning wick, you do not break the bruised reed. Continue to take us and use us as we are, we pray, Lord, to extend your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at 
abigavenibaptist.co.uk.